episode number 219 of the Emotionally Equipped for Life podcast. Hi, this is Shira Gura. Welcome to my podcast. I am on a mission to get people emotionally equipped. I created three simple, practical, and step-by-step mindset tools to empower people in their lives and in their relationships. When you get emotionally equipped, you learn how to be in control of your emotions, how to get clarity on who you want to be moving forward, and how to feel confident that you can create whatever it is you want to see in your life. I'm the author of two books, Getting Unstuck and The Clear Way, which you can learn more about over on my website at shiragora.com. Thank you so much for choosing to be with me today. And now for today's episode. Hello, my dear listeners, and thank you so much for joining me today. So I have a story for you. And in fact, this story has so many moving pieces that I think I may share it with you over two, if not three episodes. For those of you who may be new to this podcast, I want to take a moment and share with you what this podcast is all about. And in one word, I would say life. Really, it's about how we can live our lives a little bit better, a little bit easier, and with a little less suffering. And I personally do that in two ways in my life. So one way is by using my tools as needed when things come up, like when you get stuck in traffic or like when someone hurts your feelings or like when you suddenly feel uncomfortable in a social situation. Those may be situations that were unplanned, but that you could use your tools to get yourself through them. And the other way is when you're working towards a goal, like creating a change or some sort of improvement in your life. Any kind of transformation that you want to make in your life, whether that's losing weight or improving your physical health or improving a relationship or starting a business, that takes time and patience and consistency. And it definitely requires you being able to work with and control your emotions. So each week I share with you a story about life. And this week I was actually planning to share with you a story relating to a goal that I'm working on, which is improving my physical health and my relationship with food. But as it were, life got in the way. And so I have a totally unrelated story for you that has a lot of details and moving parts. Okay, so here's part one of the story. It actually has to do with my garden, but it's not really about the garden. The truth of the matter is the essence of this story is really about my relationship with my husband. So let me just share a few backstory details with you. My husband and I just celebrated our 20th anniversary. We have been together for 20 years. We started a family, we built a home in New Jersey, we moved across the world, we built another home in Israel, we started businesses, and so much more. And a lot can happen in 20 years. And for the most part, I think both of us would agree that overall, they've been 20 good years. Yes, we've had our moments, but overall, I think we would both agree that we have been blessed. One of the sticky points in our relationship, from my perspective, is that somehow, over those 20 years, I feel like I kind of lost my voice in the relationship. And by that, I mean, 
a lot of decisions regarding the house and how we spend money has been made by my husband. Now, it's not to say that I don't feel free to spend or use money. I do. And it's not to say that my husband hasn't been 100% supportive of my work with supporting other people with getting emotionally equipped. He has. But still, there seems to be an undertone in our relationship that he's in charge when it comes to anything financial, that no financial decisions are made without his consent. I know it's not 100% true, but it's what it feels like. Many times in the past, my husband has made comments on where I do food shopping and what I buy and even how we spend money on house accessories like a garden. And in the past, I'm realizing that I developed a pattern, a not so useful pattern for myself, but a pattern of acquiescing. I developed this pattern of just giving in and letting him make the decisions so as to avoid conflict. And through the work that I've been doing over the years with being emotionally equipped, I started to wake up to these patterns and recognize where I want to break free from them. And as my husband and I are on a healing journey together in our relationship, we're going through some difficult conversations in order to break free from some of the patterns that have not been working for each of us. At least for me, I feel like what I'm trying to do in a very kind and loving way is disentangle myself from him so that I can find myself again inside of this relationship and put my two feet back on the ground and be the person that I really want to be as an individual and as a partner. So back to the garden. A few years ago, I had a conversation with my husband that I would like to plant a garden and have a water system put in. A water system, for those of you who may be unfamiliar, is basically an automated system that drips water to your plants and your trees and the bushes so that you don't have to do that manually. I don't know a single house here in Israel that doesn't have that. It's not to say that everyone has it, but it is to say it's pretty common. And it seems like the most effective way to water your garden, as they say, the slow drip irrigation is better than hosing your water down, like flooding your garden while you do so, which is what I've been doing all these years. Because why? Because my husband didn't want to put in the system and because I acquiesced. I have been hosing down my garden since then, and I don't do it every day. And my garden isn't flourishing the way it probably should for that reason. So a couple of weeks ago, I told my husband that I want to get this water system in place, especially since I plan to travel to the States in August, and I don't want my garden to die while I'm away. In addition to the water system, I told him I want to create something beautiful in the front of our house, which as of now kind of looked like a dump, and that I would like to plant some more trees as we have space for that. In that conversation, Again, where I'm trying to find my voice that somehow has gotten lost in many of the decisions we've made over the years, we decided that the project that I wanted to do in the garden would be my project. So there are many parts to this story where looking back, I can see where we made some mistakes. The first mistake was not having clear communication as to what that actually meant. 
Like, what did it mean that the garden was going to be my project? Did it mean that I would decide which bushes and trees would get planted? Did it mean that I would be the one to hire the gardener? Did it mean that I would set the budget? There wasn't really a clear understanding there. And by the way, before I go on, if you're new to this podcast, I just want to assure you that a long time ago, my husband gave me permission to share my stories that he is a part of on this podcast. And the reason he does this is not because he wants to look bad, but because at the end of the day, what he knows I am doing is I'm taking responsibility for myself, for getting unstuck and for getting clear, no matter how he is being or what he's doing. So back to the story. We agree the project is going to be mine. I told him that I would like to ask our neighbor, who happens to be a gardener and someone I like and someone who I think does nice work. No. My husband said he didn't want me to ask that person because he doesn't like that person. So here's mistake number one. If I'm the project manager, then I really should have been the one to decide who the gardener would be. But we are slowly untangling ourselves from patterns that we've gotten ourselves into that have not been working for us. And sometimes we slip back into them. Case in point, I acquiesce. Okay, fine. So do you have another name? I ask. He told me he wants to invite the person who recently did work on his mom's garden, which was strange to me as his mom had just told us that we shouldn't be using him as he was expensive. But I went along. I called this guy, his name is Ali, and he comes the next morning to see what we're looking to do. He gives his price. My husband is kind of shocked. Not that he has any experience with gardening, but it seemed high to him. I had no idea what to expect, so the price didn't seem high or low to me. My husband starts to try to understand why the cost is so high. And Ali explains what the cost of the parts are and then what the price of the labor is. And he explains it's a lot of work, probably two full days. My husband starts to bargain him down. And this is where I start to get stuck. Because why? Because this is my project. And if this is my project, why was my husband having this dialogue with this gardener? But out of respect, I don't interfere. I'm just watching the scene unfold. Ali is trying to explain the cost of the parts and his labor, and my husband is trying to bring the price down. Now, the old Shira would have burst right into this conversation and take over, but I didn't do that because I have grown so much since I have started using these tools, and instead I got myself unstuck. S, I took a stop. I took one deep breath. T, I told myself I was upset. I was upset that it wasn't going the way I wanted it to go. You, I uncovered my beliefs. I believed my husband shouldn't be having this conversation as it was my project, but I realized that wasn't 100% true because he was having the conversation, so that meant that was supposed to be happening. I believed my husband shouldn't be interfering with my projects. Again, not so sure because he was being who he was being. C. Consider. I considered lots of things, but the one thing I took on in that moment was that I considered being assertive. So, I kindly asked my husband if we could have a word. We stepped aside, 
And I said to him that I don't really like the bargaining and that this is my project and that if I were having the conversation right now, I would either say, A, you know, I'm going to get a few other quotes and I'll get back to you, or B, we're going to do this work, I'm hiring you, or C, no thank you. But I wouldn't bargain him down because that's just not how I do things in my life. I realize the whole bargaining thing may be a Middle Eastern cultural thing, but it doesn't matter to me. I don't do that. I hate that. If someone offers a price and you don't like it, don't take it. You can always find someone who will offer that same thing for less. I just personally find the whole bargaining thing distasteful. So my husband throws up his hands and says, fine, meaning fine, we'll go with it. And I ask Ali, when can he start? And he says, Sunday morning at nine. Great, all's good, but it's not. Because now my husband is stuck. He's stuck because we went ahead with it. And he felt in his gut that something was off. And so we started to ask around. And he learned that indeed Ali's price was high. He told me he wanted other gardeners to come by and offer quotes. And he asked me to call Ali to tell him not to come on Sunday. Now, I was not at all comfortable with that request but I heard the stuckness in my husband's voice. I saw the pain he was suffering and I went along with it. But I called Ali a hundred times and left so many text messages, but he wasn't answering. His phone was unavailable. My husband said he was playing games and that he knows we're canceling and that he knows these kinds of people and that he's a liar and that he's going to show up anyway saying he didn't get my messages. So, We had no way of touching base with Allie before Sunday morning. And sure enough, Sunday morning, he arrives ready to start work. My husband meets him outside. I didn't yet see that he arrived. And my husband starts telling him that we decided not to work with him. I didn't hear the conversation, but I heard the voices growing louder and louder, in which case I assumed that Allie had come and I went outside. For the next five minutes, I watched a pretty ugly scene. Ali claiming that he lost his phone and that my husband gave him his word and that this is not how business is done. And my husband claiming that his prices are crazy high and that he spoke with another gardener who apparently tends the gardens in the famous Baha'i Gardens in Haifa and that his prices, at least for the parts, were substantially less. And Ali kept saying, but I'm here and I have my materials, and the truck with the rocks is on its way. And that's not what we agreed upon. And that's not how things work. You should know this. You're in the business. And my husband responded, cancel the truck. It's not even here yet. But of course, Ali couldn't cancel the truck because he didn't have a phone. Plus, he said, that was totally besides the point. My husband tried to explain his point again, that the price was high, and he kept saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's it. I'm sorry. But Ali wouldn't have it. Sorry? Sorry? You gave me your word. And you're sorry? My husband said to him, look, I'm going to check around. If your price is within the range of reason, we'll call you and let you know. And I'll even compensate you for the lost day of work. But if it's outrageously high, we're not going to use you. But Ali wouldn't budge. He said, but I'm here, ready to work. 
That's not what we agreed upon. You know what Ali even said to my husband? He said, forget it. Don't pay me anything. I'm going to do the work anyway, just as we planned. I don't want your money. I said I would be here, and I'm here to work. Like I said, it wasn't pretty. And I was standing there feeling so stuck, because again, this was supposed to be my project, and my husband wasn't supposed to be even involved. And if he wanted to do this price shopping thing, that's something he should have done before he agreed that we would do the work with Ollie, not after. And once again, I felt stuck, and I used the unstuck method to get myself unstuck. And again, I considered being assertive. And this is where I'm going to end for today. As I mentioned, there's a lot of parts to this story, and I don't want to jam it all into one episode. I have a lot more to share with you next week, not only about getting unstuck, but also about getting clear, and then getting unstuck again, and then getting clear again, and living deliberately. What a story this was. Okay, my friends, before I sign off, I would like you to consider where you in your life may want to consider being assertive or more assertive. I think being assertive is a really important trait, and I'd love for you to look at your life and see if there's a place where you would like to challenge yourself to become more assertive. Okay, my dear friends, thank you so much for joining me today. Definitely stay tuned for next week to hear how the story unfolds. I want to wish you a wonderful rest of your week. And as always, I look forward to getting emotionally equipped with you. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Emotionally Equipped for Life podcast. It is my honor and privilege to be able to show up here each week for you. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to start applying this work to your own life, you have to check out the Emotionally Equipped Journey. This is my six-week course where you study my tools in depth with me, either in a group format or one-on-one, so you can learn how to be in control of your emotions, how to get clarity on who it is you want to be moving forward, and how to feel confident that you can create whatever it is you want to create in your life. Head over to my website, shiragora.com, to get yourself started. I look forward to starting this journey with you.